GamesillaMedia.com. Noise Land Arcade. Welcome to Noiseland Arcade. I am Craig WK, and with me is my buddy, the Arcade Phantom, Sean. How's it going, Craig? Uh, doing great, Sean. Anytime I get to talk uh, to, about The Simpsons and argue with you is... Ah, this sucks. Let's quit. <laughs> it's a normal weekday for arguing about The Simpsons. <laughs> so, so, Sean, today we're covering Bart versus Thanksgiving. Uh, now, when did this episode air? So this episode first aired November 22nd, 1990. Yeah, so in the second holiday special from The Simpsons, Bart ruins his sister's Thanksgiving centerpiece, causing his family to yell at him, prompting Bart to run away from home and live like a homeless person. Yeah, he's a lovable tramp. <laughs> yeah, lovable is not the word I would use for Bart in this episode, honestly. Uh, so, I. Uh, so, Sean, what do you have for, uh, uh, you know, what's going on in the world at the time? Okay, so the day before this, mm -hmm. November 21st, over in Japan, a little system came out called oh. the Super Famicom. Oh, and what would the Super Famicom become, Sean? The Super Nintendo. Amazing. Best system ever. Totally the best system ever. Best launch lineup ever. Super Mario World, F-Zero, Pilot Wings. This is a legit launch for a system. It really is. Those, those are very solid games. Even if a few of them are mostly just sort of exhibitions for Mode 7. But that's not the only thing going on. Oh, no? Because in America, we had a movie open up the Wednesday before this episode. Oh, what movie? Just a small movie called Dances with Wolves. You know, the best picture winner of this year. Wow! Yeah, the Dances with Wolves is one of those movies I've never actually seen, but I know is like supposed to be a really phenomenal movie. It's one, of, it's one of my least favorite Best Picture winners. Really? So, for those that don't know, I'm a big film snob. I've seen every single Best Picture winner, all the way going back to 1927 with Wings. And I am not a big fan of Dances with Wolves. I think it drags on for far too long. Hmm, well, I'll be danged. I, I've heard so many like good things about it. It's it's interesting to get that different perspective that maybe it wasn't. It was kind of a little eh. Now, do you? Now, this is just sort of a spur of the moment question, but like. Do, what movie would you have chosen from that year? Or do you have to give it some thought? I'd have to give it some thought. I'd oh, have okay. to look through what came out that year. I, I it probably you. is the best picture, but I'm, it's not one of those ones that I go, oh, that's a fantastic picture. Here, Craig, borrow this. I gotcha. This isn't me giving you Unforgiven. This isn't me giving you How Green Was My Valley. Well, well put, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> so, you film snob. So, uh, so Sean, I... Uh, in the sort of like uh, for as far as world events go, uh, days before uh, this episode aired, the Paris Charter was signed by America, Canada, and every European nation except for Albania. Oh, Albania. You come back to us so often. <laughs> Which is weird because I think at the time we did our episode on uh, uh, the Crepes of Wrath, uh, we were thinking like, was Albania really that much of like an enemy state? But uh I mean, apparently it was to a little bit of an extent. Well, they were a communist state at the time, right? They were. And that's the interesting thing, because the USSR signed this uh, uh, agreement, the uh, uh, the Paris Charter. Now, 
this summit was to bring Eastern European countries to adopt uh, Western ideology. Uh, essentially, this was a peace conference to mend things with the communist nations of Europe. Uh, this was made possible due to reforms that uh, Gorbachev had made in 1985. Uh, but this was essentially the end of the Cold War. Well, part of the reason the USSR would have signed this is because the, the writing was all over the wall that communism was falling apart in the USSR. Mm-hmm. They knew that as far back as the middle of the 80s. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why in 85, Gorbachev had made all those reforms is because he saw that things were... I think more important than Gorbachev yeah. was uh, when Rocky Balboa smoothed over <laughs> communism in Rocky Four. If I can change, you can change. Rocky defeated communism. It's the most heroic thing he's ever done. <laughs> Love that movie. That is, that is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> anyway, I. Uh, but back in the real world, <laughs> you have, yeah, you have uh, uh, the end of the Cold War, essentially. Like the USSR has not collapsed. But George Bush himself was quoted as saying, like, this is the end of the Cold War. Like, we, we don't have to worry about that anymore. Like, you know, the, this, the, the Paris Charter essentially made it so that like communism was ending sure and and it wasn't you know the ussr was still around but like the cold war was not a worry oh no we were at one of our safest time periods ever for people who don't know what the doomsday clock is Mm -hmm. it's a countdown for how close we are to nuclear extinction yeah and in 1991 it hit about 17 minutes till midnight midnight being when nuclear war takes place yeah currently we're at two minutes to midnight Mm mm-hmm we were at 17 minutes to midnight back in 1991 because this was the end of the Cold War. Things were smoothing over in the world. Oh, yeah. things. <laughs> this was about the most peaceful. Well, I mean, we, we do have uh, Desert, uh, Operation Desert Shield ratcheting up. So, so, I mean, it's not safe throughout the world, but at least, you know, in, in the country itself, it's pretty, you know, pretty safe. But I tell you what, Sean. It's time for us to start chatting about this episode instead of the fall, inevitable fall of communism in uh, USSR. Uh, so uh, the episode starts and Marge is pulling the organs out of the back of a turkey, which are normally in like a sack. Yeah. It, was that like different back then? So sometimes you get them where a fresh turkey will still have the organs in them that you have to pull out. Maybe it's a fresh turkey then. I've had that with fresh turkey before. Mm-hmm. Now, fresh turkey, I can see that. But, like, I know, like, frozen ones will will have them, like, bagged up. At least they should be, unless it was different in 91. Yeah, I had a fresh one that we had to brine one time, and we had to pull out the organs. <laughs> Tasty. Uh, so uh, it, it cuts to the living room, and Bart is suffocating his sister with a couch cushion? Yeah, I... I really hate this. I I hate this scene so much. Bart is just rotten in this episode. He really is. Uh, and so Homer gets mad at the kids and says, this is, oh, oh that's right. Lisa, uh, Bart says Lisa stole his glue. Homer says, this is Thanksgiving. So glue friendly or I'll take your glue away and then no one will have any glue to glue with. And then Lisa gives it back to him and Bart says, I don't want your glue and throws it behind his back. Yeah, Lisa makes a point that Bart only wants it because she has it. Mm-hmm. Yep. <sighs> and when Bart throws it behind him, the glue bottle lands next to Maggie's baby bottle, and it looks exactly like it. Mm-hmm. Bart is just a real piece of crap in this episode. So Homer is watching uh, 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 Bill and Marty. Uh, they're on uh, the, uh, the the at the parade for Thanksgiving. 
uh, the Macy's Day Parade. And uh, one of, I think it's, is it Bill or Marty who says like the weirdest lines where he's like, uh, uh, one of, uh, I think it's Bullwinkle's antler springs a leak. And he's like, oh, how about, uh, it looks like he's getting a taste of his own medicine. And his companion is like, what does that even mean? And he's like, now I know how the pilgrims felt. And he's like, what are you talking about, Bill? Oh, that's, so it's Bill being a weirdo and Marty is the other. Yeah, Marty's being the weirdo. It's, it's, it's probably one of the funnier moments of the episode for just how weird and cre- like, just almost creepy it is. He's like, now, now I know how the pilgrims felt. What are you talking about, Bill? And it like cuts and uh, Bart is, is kind of confused as to who these characters are. So for our listeners out there, Bullwinkle J. Moose mm-hmm. was from Rocky and Bullwinkle. An old cartoon from the 50s. Yeah, it ran 59 to 64. And it is Matt Groening's favorite cartoon of all time. Is it? Bullwinkle J. Moose is his favorite cartoon character, which is why Homer J. Simpson exists. Bullwinkle J. Moose. Philip J. Fry. It is a reference to Bullwinkle J. Moose. Interesting. I I, I wasn't aware of that. I Now I... The uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle show is it, a kind of a funny show. Like it's it's kind of you know old and dated, but uh, I always really enjoyed it, and I know you were a fan oh, too. I love Rocky and Bullwinkle. Uh, yeah, it's the misadventures of the title characters: Rocky, uh, the Flying Squirrel, and Bullwinkle the Moose. Now, I uh, Sean, did you? Because uh, uh, they also show the underdog balloon. But like, did you delve into the balloon history? So I did. So they talk about underdog more so than showing him. Mm-hmm. And Bart mentions a comment, and he says, why don't they use cartoons made after the last 50 years? Uh And Homer replies to him that if they made a balloon for every flash-in-the-pan cartoon character, you would turn the parade into a farce. And as he says this, we see Bart's balloon going in the background. And this was actually pretty topical because Bart Simpson debuted in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade this year. Yeah, he did. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. Uh, it also uh, was interesting that the Bart Simpson balloon retired in 1995 due to faulty stitching. Yep. Uh, kind of like Bullwinkle's antler. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I did a little bit of a deeper dive into the, the Bullwinkle and the underdog balloons. Okay, go on to that, because I did a huge deep dive into the oh. Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Oh, okay. So, uh, interesting enough, uh, the Bullwinkle Balloon first appeared in 1961, uh, and it was retired in 1983. Seven it, years before this episode? It, it didn't reappear until 1996, when a new balloon with Rocky was made, and that one was retired in 2000. This balloon was retired for this before this episode aired, years before. Uh, underdog as well. Uh, so, uh, for our listeners who don't know, Underdog is a superhero cartoon that ran from 64 to 67, starring Shine Boy, who turns into Underdog as a superhero, and he's in love with Sweet Polly Purebred, uh, who's always being captured by, like, monsters and stuff. Uh, Underdog's balloon first appeared in 1965 and was retired in 84. Huh. So neither of those balloons were in this parade. No. Neither of these balloons. But the Bart Simpson one is. You're right. Like, this yeah, was this the was year the for the debut, debut. year. But Bullwinkle and Underdog would not have been. So, Homer mentions Flash in the Pan cartoon characters. Uh-huh. So I'm not going to go into the years for these balloons because this will take a huge time sure, sure, to come sure, to Macy's yeah. Thanksgiving Day Parade. But let's look at a list of cartoon characters who have appeared in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Oh, yeah. Felix the Cat. Mm-hmm. Donald Duck. Okay. Mickey Mouse. Sure. Superman. Okay. Popeye. We're, we're, we're hitting some classic characters here. Yogi Bear. Uh-huh. Betty Boop. Okay. Spider-Man. All right. Ronald McDonald. Not a cartoon character, but I'll buy it. Bugs Bunny. A great one. Clifford. 
The big red dog. Babar, king of the elephants. <laughs> Babar? It's Babar. Babar. The king of the elephants is kind of a little more obscure, right? A little bit. I mean, he was kind of popular back in the day. Okay. Arthur. Arthur's got bigger when we were adults. Like, so, okay, I'll buy that. Cheezosaurus Rex. What? Cheezosaurus Rex had a balloon. What? What? What is Cheezosaurus Rex? He was the old uh, Kraft Macaroni and Cheese icon. Oh, my God. That's what I was thinking, but I thought, like, there's no way that's true. Yep. He was the Kraft Macaroni and Cheese dinosaur. And they made him into a balloon. Yep. Now, that's a flash in the pan. SpongeBob. No pun intended. Okay, SpongeBob's big. Hello Kitty. All right, yeah, Hello Kitty's big. Pikachu. All right, yeah, pretty pretty big. Pretty Sonic great. the Hedgehog. <laughs> I appreciate it, but it is a little weird for uh, America's Macy's Day Parade, but he's pretty popular, so I'll buy it. Papa Smurf. Okay. The Elf on the Shelf. Weird. So somebody must have traveled through time to put this one, because this is a more recent balloon. Uh-huh. But Snoopy and Charlie Brown were introduced. Ah, the Charles Schultz time, or the Schultz time machine. Olaf from Frozen. Mm-hmm. And one of the more recent cartoon characters. Yeah. Super Saiyan God, Super Saiyan Goku. <laughs> Blue-haired Goku? Is in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Super Saiyan Blue Goku is. Yep. That's kind of cool, but sort of weird. It's kind of awesome. I mean, Goku's been a cartoon character since 1985. That's true, but he didn't get popular until the early 2000s. But even then, why wasn't he? Because that's when he had popularity. I mean, he's still popular, of course, but like, you know, that was real. He was big to do in like the early 2000s. Because they were busy getting the licensings right for Jesusaurus Rex, Craig. <laughs> Touche. I actually went to a dinosaur exhibit one time yeah. where it was like big statues of dinosaurs. Sure. And one of the big statues was Jesusaurus Rex. And I remember that. And in that moment, we knew that the Lord had left us. And every day we stray further from God's light. <laughs> oh. So, I. Uh, Interesting stuff with all the Macy's Day cartoons. Uh, it's interesting, too, that like so many of them are really popular, but then every so often there's weird ones thrown in. I just can't get over Cheezosaurus Rex. Cheezosaurus Rex. Also, Elf on the Shelf is a weird one. I, I know think, Elf on the Shelf is popular, but that's just weird to me. Yeah, that, that's a real bizarre one. I, I'm not a fan of that one. Oh, just about all the others I'm okay with. I. Uh, so I... I there's kind of a cool transition scene. So I uh, it show it, it's gonna cut to Lisa, but in order to get to Lisa, it shows Maggie walking around the house, like to get to Lisa's room. And everything's really dangerous. Like there's tons oh, of toys lying around. Super dangerous. There's a skateboard on the stairs, there's a hand rake, there's electrical <laughs> wire that's shark shocking. <laughs> it's so bad. So I uh, uh, Lisa shows Maggie uh, because Maggie's another one of the the girls of the house. Uh, her uh, uh, you know Thanksgiving centerpiece that she's making, which honors uh, a lot of uh, uh, you know women you know that have uh, uh, been big in like you know feminism and stuff for uh, America. Uh, now uh, I have a list of uh, uh, who we've got here. So we have Georgia O'Keeffe, uh, who was an American artist and pioneer of American modernism. Uh, she was a role model for many women. Uh, she was uh, an established art, female artist in the 1920s. And some of her surreal art is really good. I really recommend looking up Georgia O'Keeffe's work. Uh, Susan B. Anthony, uh, uh, who's also in this uh, centerpiece, is uh, uh, not only helped the 50 Cent Lady. 
yeah, basically, 50 cent lady, uh, not only helped create the largest petition seen at the time to end slavery in 1863, which had 400,000 signatures, uh, which is kind of cool. Uh, she went on to devote herself to women's suffrage, uh, trying to get women the right to vote. And it's depressing because she died in 1906 and it became a national law in 1920. Little depressing, but her work uh, helped pave the way. Uh, another cool one who would have been alive at the time of this episode airing was uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. She lived from 1890 to 1998. She lived for 108 years. She was a journalist who fought to protect not only the Everglades, uh, which Lisa mentions, uh, but uh, she also fought for women's suffrage and civil rights. A solid lineup. That's a pretty legit lineup. Absolutely. I... Uh, but uh, it, after that, it cuts to Bart wanting to help, right? Yeah, so Bart kind of wants to help, and he wants to help his mom in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Did you ever help your mom in the kitchen cook? Uh, you know, I, I did. Eventually, I took over doing Thanksgiving dinner for my family, like when I when I became like a, an adult, essentially, like in my early uh, 20s. Uh, and so, like, uh, I honestly, like, if, if anybody... When I was working in the kitchen, would come in, I'd get fired up. Oh, I, I still get fired up if somebody's annoying if, me in the kitchen. If, if I'm working in the kitchen and I want to just do everything myself, and someone's like, Craig, 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 what can I do? It's just sort of like, you can help me put in the full on if that's what you can do. Uh, but yeah, Bart, Bart wants to help. And, and when I was a little uh, kid, I, I think I helped a little bit here and there. But, you know, I kind of knew that they wanted to do their own thing without bumping into me and stuff. So, you know. So this is my favorite scene of the entire episode. Is uh-huh. Bart helping his mom? Uh-huh. Because she asked him to open uh, the canned cranberry sauce. Mm-hmm. Not a hard job. No. But it's something you can give a kid. Sure. Heck, I open cans for somebody whenever they're cooking. If mm-hmm. I'm just in the kitchen, I'll just be like, well, I'm here. Boop, 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 open them. Yeah. But he can't get the can opener to work. Oh, no. He can't find the can opener. And then when he finds it, then he can't get it to work. And when he can't get it to work, he sings a little song. How's that song go, Sean? Mom, it's broken. Mom, it's broken. Mom, it's broken. Mom, it's broken. I still do annoying things like that (laughs) to this day. For the record, uh, if that was my kid, uh, the scene would have transitioned to uh, the backyard of the house, and you would have seen Bart fly through the window <laughs> as the corn uh, 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 drapes sort of flutter in the wind. But eventually he gets it to work, and he opens up the canned cranberry sauce. Mm-hmm. And it's got that nice can shape to it. There's something I love about that. I love canned cranberry sauce, and I know it's not as good as regular cranberry sauce. <laughs> it's not, sauce, oh. But I love it. I don't know what it is, the gelatinous taste to it, the shape of it. I just love it. I, I, I There's something very charming about the rings that show that it was in a can. I realize that it sh- there shouldn't be anything charming about that, but I really like it for some reason. It really reminds me of Thanksgiving, even though in more recent years I've done, like, you know, cranberry relishes and stuff. Yeah, and, same you know. here. I haven't had can- cranberry sauce since I was probably 15, but I love that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go buy some today, actually. <laughs> on the way home, we're buying cranberry sauce. Cranberry sauce? Mmm. So, I. Uh, so Bart's way more trouble than he's worth. And the worst part is, is Bart just like, okay, Bart, can you put it in the fridge? And Bart's long gone. He's already left. And she has to be the one to put it in the fridge. We got to Homer watching football. <sighs> and we get a mention of something that's going to come up a lot later on in the series. 
Homer tells Maggie that his favorite team is the Dallas Cowboys. He does. He does mention that that is his favorite team and that will stay the same. Yeah, he wants to own the Dallas Cowboys. That's his dream that he tells Hank Scorpio. Homer's had many dreams, and that is one of them. Uh, so, Sean, I've got a, a bit of a, an info dump here for you. Shoot. So, the Dallas Cowboys and Detroit Lions always play on Thanksgiving every year. Those two teams play. Not against each other, necessarily, but those two teams have like some deal with the NFL where they always have a holiday game. Uh, now, uh, Homer mentions that Dallas Cowboys are his favorite team. But he also mentions that he wants them to lose by five points. Uh, now, I, I, I did a little bit of research, probably way more than I should have, into the games for that year. Okay. So, 1990, or 1990s uh, football games on Thanksgiving. Homer will be depressed because the uh, Dallas Cowboys beat the Washington Redskins by 10 points. Uh, they won 27 to 17. Uh, and the Detroit Lions, which are our home team, because Sean and I are from the Detroit area, uh, beat the Denver Broncos. Really? They did. And you want to know the crazy thing about their the uh, their game? That they won? No, no. <laughs> the crazy thing, because the Lions were yeah, not the, that the bad. The Lions weren't bad back they then. Had it was, Barry it was Sanders. Barry Sanders time. They had Barry Sanders. They weren't that bad. Uh, they beat the Denver Broncos 40 to 27. Oh my god! <laughs> right, <laughs> they actually did really good. I uh, now uh, so I kind of feel like the Cowboys. Now this this might this might be a little bit football's racist, mm-hmm. but I feel like the Cowboys always face the Redskins on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Does that, that that always happen? Uh, oh, I, I feel uh, like that happens quite a lot. And oh, I don't want to think yeah. about that. That just made things a little awkward. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, they mentioned two player names, Kogan and Wolodarski. And I could not find those player names to save my life. And eventually it dawned on me that they're some of the writers, aren't they? I think so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, also interesting to note, uh, Homer says he's watching the Dallas Cowboy game. When they cut to the scene, uh, the... Uh, they show one of the Lions players. Like the, the colors are for the Lions. And the other and, and the reason why I, I know that it's not just like a trick of my imagination and it was like actually the Dallas Cowboys is because the team they're playing have the Broncos colors. Huh. Yeah. Weird, right? Well, I mean, Al Jean is a Detroiter. Al Jean probably put a lot of like the Detroit references in here, but Homer's specifically talking about the Dallas Cowboys game as he's watching the yeah. Lions. Uh, also, uh, one of the players gets smashed, and the announcer very uh, very rudely says, I hope they can fit that turkey through a tube. Oh. Because he's been crippled. Yeah, football's... Uh... <laughs> it's it's kind of dangerous. So, so Penny and Selma show up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they have uh, Swedish meatballs and trout almondine? Yeah, they're bitches. Penny and Selma are bitches. They bring a backup meal for Thanksgiving. They find that Marge's turkey is a little dry. Yeah, I've, I've cooked Thanksgiving dinners. You've cooked Thanksgiving dinners. Oh, yeah. If somebody bought a backup meal, I'd punch him in the face. I would legitimately be so angry. Aside, I'm not that worried about. A backup meal, yeah, I'd be pretty pretty fired up. Uh, because here's the thing. The Swedish meatballs, okay, that's a side. I'll, I'll buy that as an appetizer. You know, meatballs and like a cream sauce. Trout almondine? Fried trout fillets with butter and almonds? 
That's that's a meal. That's not an appetizer. Yeah. Nobody goes to Outback Steakhouse or or Olive Garden or you know Ruby Tuesdays or Red Robin, whatever chain restaurant. Nobody goes and looks at the appetizer menu and they're like, "Oh, they don't have trout almondine here." Nobody has ever done that ever in the history of the world. I'm gonna do that next time we go to the Applebee's by your house. <laughs> I am so oh, gonna do that. Oh, they don't have trout almondine, and then I'm gonna hit you in the face. I'm gonna ask the waitress if they have trout. Do you almondine. have trout almondine? And then I'm gonna be embarrassed and leave. So. Also, Homer's really nice to Patty and Selma when they show up. And they, once again, because Homer's willing to fake it. He doesn't like Patty and Selma, but he is willing to play nice because Marge wants him to. Patty and Selma will never, ever play nice with Homer, though. Yeah, they, they're bitches in this episode. I really do not like Patty and Selma in this episode yeah, at all. Yeah, they're pretty cruel. Uh, the backup meal and the fact that uh, they're, they're real snide about Homer being so pleasant to them. But I... I it's halftime, so uh, Homer is going to go pick up his uh, father uh, and bring him to uh, 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 Thanksgiving dinner. And when Homer does this, uh, Mrs. Bouvier shows up. Uh, yes, and she has, uh, 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 what does she have again? Laryngitis. Laryngitis. So she's a really shrew. She's kind of a cruel woman. Is this she really her, is. Is this her first appearance? Uh, is this her first appearance? Yeah, I think this is. Uh, we we won't see her again until I think the way we was, and I don't think she appeared previously. Uh, she was not at uh, uh, in the Christmas special. That should have been the time she would have shown up. Yeah, so I think this might be her first appearance. I think you're right. It's interesting that I uh, I uh, I uh, Marge's mother is in a home, and Marge does not visit her. Do you think that maybe they have like a bad relationship because she is kind of a bitch? They could. Because, like, Mrs. Mrs. Bouvier is is real, real harsh. Oh, yeah, she's a shrew. <laughs> she's rotten. Maybe that's one of the things that Marge and Homer get along with, is that they don't get along with their parents. <laughs> you know, that actually could be. Uh, so so Homer is uh, uh, driving to pick up his dad. And uh, hooray for everything uh, comes on. And are you familiar with what it's a play on? What is that a play on? Uh, Up With People, which was an organization that put on shows for the Super Bowl, uh, uh, Super Bowls throughout the 70s and 80s that stressed cultural awareness. This is back when halftime shows sucked. <laughs> Listen, Sean, the Western Hemisphere is the dancingest hemisphere of them all. Halftime shows used to suck. Yeah, they weren't great. If you want a good halftime show, look up when Prince was at the halftime show. Yeah, Prince is pretty great. Oh, that's that's a great one where Prince plays Purple Rain in the rain. Yeah, that's pretty great. That's it's great. Look it up on YouTube. Anyone who out there who wants to see a good <laughs> halftime show. So uh, Homer gets to the uh, uh, the Springfield retirement uh, retirement castle. Is that what it's called? Retirement home. I always get it mixed up with the Sunset Arms from Hey Arnold. Yeah. Oh, sunset art, yeah, kind of depressing. Uh, they, uh, there's, of course, a sign that says, thank you for not discussing the outside world. Uh, and uh, uh, it's super depressing in there, and uh, uh, Homer gets his dad out of there as quick as he can. Which is kind of a surprisingly warm Thanksgiving, because no one needs coats. 
You know, it's interesting that you say that. Yeah, I, I guess it dawned on me that it's a very, very warm. Like, I, you have to think that Springfield must be in a more warm environment that, you know, their Thanksgiving, their Valentine's Days are very unseasonable warmth. But, but they have a lot of snow in the winter. Yeah, they do. They've been frozen inside the church before. Where the hell do they live? Uh, <laughs> in a weird time paradox. <laughs> so... Let me, let me ask you a question about mm-hmm. this. So Homer goes to pick up his dad. Yeah. And they're telling all of the residents there about family members who wish they could be there for them. Uh-huh. And a fax comes through mm-hmm. to tell them of one more family member who wishes they could be there. Uh-huh. How dated is that reference? Oh, that a fax machine? That yeah. they have a fax machine? Uh, you know, it, it's funny because uh, faxes are certainly dated, uh, but it's interesting that a lot of businesses still use them. The mortgage business, uh, insurance businesses, like a lot of companies and like businesses out there still utilize faxes because there's a secure line compared to like email. I get that, and I understand that, but it's a retirement home using a fax machine. <laughs> yeah, that is absolutely a dated reference. What are they keeping secure? That families still love the old people there? That's about it. Uh, so I, uh, they they get back to uh, uh, the, the house, and they're watching football again. Halftime's over. Uh, now... It's interesting because they note uh, they're wa- they must be watching the Lions game. They note that uh, they're at the Silver Dome. And Sean, you know that I had to do a lot of uh, digging on the sil- Silver Dome. You didn't have to do that much digging. I mean, we've both been to the Silver Dome before. We have. The Silver Dome uh, was once found in Pontiac, Michigan. Uh, it opened in 1975 and was the first athletic facility to use a fiberglass fabric roof. Uh, it was held up by uh, air pressure. Uh, the seating capacity was around 82,000 and at the time uh, was about the largest stadium around until 1997. Uh, but uh, it closed in 2006. Uh, it, the Lions, you know, were moved to Ford Field in downtown Detroit. Uh, now I... Uh, there was a reopening for the Silver Dome because they decided they would use it for other venues uh, in uh, 2010, but it was eventually demolished in 2018. Uh, also, when they show it on the uh, TV, well, on The Simpsons, there's no dome. Huh. Open air. Didn't notice that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Sean, when, uh, when did you go to the Silver Dome? I went to various activities because my dad worked for the beer companies at the time. Oh, that's right. So we would get like sweet tickets to go see sports games. So I've been to like the Silver Dome. I've been to Wings Games, Joe Lewis, and been in the suites for those. Nice, nice. I honestly, I, I know I've been to the Silver Dome, but I can't think of what event it would have been. Was our graduation at the Silver Dome? I thought our graduation was in our own high school. I don't you didn't go to our own graduation. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> I think it was in our own school. I didn't go to our own graduation or our own prom. That's hilarious. Skipped them both. <laughs> Antisocial, here I come. I'm with you on that That's one. That's why I'm hiding behind a microphone. <laughs> so... Uh, so Homer's trying to start a fire, and uh, Patty and Selma, of course, remarked that even a caveman could start a fire. Uh, and I... I so Bart and Lisa 
are at the table. And Lisa, well, I'm sorry, Lisa comes in with her centerpiece. And then Bart comes in with the turkey. So, weird fact about this episode mm-hmm. and when it aired. That Thanksgiving, which yeah. would have been Thanksgiving 1990, mm-hmm. I would have been in kindergarten. Okay. I made a centerpiece that year out of an apple and gum drops. Really? I distinctly remember making a centerpiece in school. That's hilarious. So when I watched this episode, I related uh-huh. to this episode because I had my own centerpiece that I had made. And it wasn't nearly as good as Lisa's. No, Lisa's is kind of phenomenal. It looks great. And Bart is not very impressed. And he tells Lisa, move it or lose it. He, he's pushing it out of the way to get the turkey down. And to a certain extent, I understand. Like, you know, it's dinner time. You have to eat. You know, like the, the centerpiece needs to move and Marge tries to say that you know there's room enough for both of them and they you know Homer's trying to start this fire yada yada and Bart grabs the centerpiece and they start arguing and it's honestly kind of awkward oh it's incredibly awkward I hate the arguments in this episode yeah it's it's like Lisa's super upset and like you can you can tell the the voice actors are doing an amazing job and it really comes through as just this really just chilling awkwardness because Lisa is devastated when Bart flings the centerpiece into the fireplace and then it immediately engulfs in flames and Grandpa Simpson is like, hey, that got it going. So it's got to be kind of cold out if they're going to light the fireplace, right? I, I, I mean, but like they didn't wear coats in the episode. Yeah, I, I didn't connect those two together until right now. Yeah, that's, was was Homer just setting, starting the fire for like Ambiance? Ambiance, yeah, must be. So Marge gets mad at Bart and tells Bart that he ruined Thanksgiving. Oh, I'm sorry. No, tell, sends him to his room. Bart says, okay, I'll take a to-go order and starts listing what he wants because he's a miserable, entitled piece of crap. And Marge says, no, no, you're going to your room without food. You've ruined Thanksgiving. And I... Uh, so Bart goes to his room. Lisa runs off and cries. So there's no, it's Maggie, but no other kids at the table. And Homer says grace and mentions that he considers solar energy a pipe dream. Uh, and, uh, you know, basically says, are we like, ask the Lord, are we like the worst family ever? And everyone goes, ah, man. So how sad is it that solar was listed as a pipe dream and 29 years later, politicians who are in big oil's pockets are still fighting that right now? Yeah, it's really, really depressing. You would you would have hoped that solar energy would have taken off by now, and it should, but it's, you know, it's it's what if the, the clouds come in and then there's no energy and then, then everything's ruined, and that's how solar energy is going to work. You mean there's not batteries? Batteries don't exist, Craig? Uh... Anyway, <laughs> so I uh, so I uh, Marge goes in to talk to Lisa because she's playing her sax and she's really sad. I uh, and and it's an interesting scene because everyone starts eating when Marge walks away, and they're eating to the blues. It's like the music is permeating the, through the house, and it's just this weird scene of them eating depressingly as this blues music is playing, and I. Uh, Lisa mentions to her mom, she's like, why do these kind of things like happen? And, or like, why do all these terrible things always happen to me? And then like Marge says something of the nature of like, I've noticed that too, which is depressing. So Marge goes to Bart and she tells him that like, when you apologize to your sister, you'll be able to sit down and eat with us. 
And it's interesting because there's definitely been times like, you know, I, I always have tried to be a, a good big brother, but there certainly were times when I would argue with Beth, my, my sister Beth and bicker back and forth, yada, yada. And, you know, when when my mom gave the ultimatum, you know, apologize to your sister, you know, yeah, sometimes I was still mad and didn't want to apologize. But like you, you bury the hatchet, you, you make amends. That's what you do. And Bart decides that he's not going to apologize. Yeah, he's better off running away. Oh, yeah, so much better. Uh, he says that he was just cleaning the table and had a sense of humor. That's a little sociopathic, right? Yeah, I mean, he did clean the table. Says the sociopath. So Homer, or so Bart decides that he is going to run away. So he sneaks out the window, goes down the treehouse, lands in a flower bed, goes, oops, and then decides, wait, no, and then crushes the flowers and then sees that uh, his dog, Santa's little helper, has been kicked out of the, the kitchen. So the flowers are there, so it's unseasonably warm. Very unseasonably warm. You're not lining up, Simpsons. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> so uh, Homer kicks in, the dog in fact, out. Oh, yeah. Wasn't a game freezing or a fan freezing in a G string at one of the football games? Oh, I think they were. So if they were in Washington, it's freezing cold there. So we know it's freezing cold in the northern parts. Or Detroit. Yeah. yeah. Huh. I mean, they could have been in Dallas, but it's not going to be freezing cold in Dallas. Oh, you know what? I. Uh, uh, you're right. It would it, the the game has to take place in their their own places, so it would be in Dallas. So that that particular uh, oh, and I think the the that match they would have been Homer would have been talking about the Dallas Cowboys, but showing the Lions. So that makes sense. Then in Detroit, it was uh, well, freezing. I'm sorry, Pontiac. It would have been freezing. Uh, so that makes sense. But yeah, you're right. If the game would have to, I'm pretty sure, take place in Dallas. So I think that's one of the rules: is the game has to be a home game for them. I might be wrong about that one. I'm not as familiar about the rules of Thanksgiving football games. Go figure. Being a giant nerd. Uh, so anyway, uh, I, Bart and Santa's little helper go off on their own little journey. And uh, Bart goes wandering through like sewer tunnels that mention El Bardo. Uh, and uh, they find a place where they're going to see if they can steal a meal. Where are they going to steal a meal from? Well, they're at the corner of uh, Croesus and Mammon. Croesus uh, <clears throat> was the ancient king of Lydia, which was a nation surrounded by the Mediterranean, the Black Sea, and eventually was conquered by Persia. Uh, the king of Croesus was uh, known for his wealth. And Mammon in the Bible means money and wealth. Uh, but in medieval times, Mammon was depicted as a demon, one of the seven princes of hell who resided over Crete. Oh, well, who is going to live there? <clears throat> So we cut to Mr. Burns and Smithers. Smithers has made a giant meal for Burns, and Burns has taken a few bites, decides that he's full. Uh, no, he's, no, no, he's not full, because he's saving room uh, Yes, for Smithers' special pumpkin pie. Mm-hmm. Kind of looks like apple cooling on the windowsill, but regardless... I love pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie is amazing. And like, if somebody had a special pumpkin pie, oh, I'd want to try that. For the record, I feel like there's just about every pie I, I think I like. I don't think I've met a pie I didn't like. I, I, stand, I think I stand by that statement. Not a big blueberry pie person. Of course not, Sean. Blueberries suck. You suck, Sean. <laughs> I'm just going to keep bringing up blueberries every week and how much I hate them. <laughs> so, Somebody's going to just 
berate me about that one. <laughs> the number one blueberry fan is going to be like, this Sean guy's an ass. So uh, Bart dodges peacocks and uh, hops around the yard to get to this pumpkin pie to see if he can steal it. And security goes off. And these poor security guards, who are not eating a meal nearly as luxurious as uh, Burns is, uh, ask Mr. Burns what to do. And Burns gives his old standby, which he'll use time and time again throughout the rest of the series. Release the hounds. And so Bart gets chased off by dogs and uh, escapes the scene just barely. And he leaves Burns' house and he crosses over the train tracks. Which puts him on the wrong side of the tracks. (laughs) Very, very, very literally. Now... The wrong side of the tracks is actually a very literal thing. Oh, yeah? If you're ever in the L.A. area, mm-hmm. if you go where the train tracks are, yeah, on one side of the train tracks is where all the millionaires live. You'll see, like, Tom Cruise's house. Leonardo DiCaprio has a house over there. And when you go over the train tracks, you're in kind of the lower income area of L.A. Interesting. It is a barrier in L.A. Interesting. I didn't know it was that literal in the in the city of uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, it's pretty crazy because Lindsay Lohan actually one one time when I was out there crashed into Tom Cruise's house and it was like right at the border of those tracks. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Uh, so I uh, oh also it cuts to uh, Lisa in her room uh, like still being sad and stuff and uh, we see that she has her poster and apartheid now. It's going to end eventually. We're getting there. We've mentioned previously on uh, the at the beginning of episodes when we talk about the news of the world at the time. Uh, but apartheid was still going on. But we're getting there. We're getting there, everybody. Uh, so uh, uh, when, when Bart goes to the wrong side of the tracks, uh, there's a massage, quote unquote, parlor, uh, billiards, liquor. And there's even a sign on the liquor store that says, yes, we have rot gut. I, uh, which I I wasn't really aware. It's apparently like just bottom of the barrel, like just the cheapest thing you can get. Yep. And there's also the Springfield Plasma Center. Uh, and there's a Thanksgiving special that gives you twelve dollars and a cookie, uh, when you go there. But you got to be eighteen to give your blood, Craig. Bart looks eighteen. The tattoo parlor guy thought he looked eighteen, and the Springfield Plasma Center people think he looks eighteen. Of course they do because he has Homer's ID, which might be why the tattoo guy was cool. Maybe he had uh, Homer's ID at that time too. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. I mean, maybe Homer's using Brian McGee's ID right now. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I. It cuts to the dinner table, and uh, Homer, uh, Mrs. Bouvier, uh, Grandpa Simpson, Patty and Selma are all kind of sitting around. Uh, I think Marge is too. Uh, and uh, Mrs. Bouvier says that she's like, at the risk of like hurting my voice more, I just have one thing to say. I'm sorry I came. She's a real bitch. Only, of course, it's in her voice. It's it's essentially Marge's voice, but like even raspier. So it's like, I'm sorry I came. And yeah, I uh, they also make a remark about how like uh, uh, 
you know, like they're not sure what like what happened, why Bart wouldn't like apologize. And Grandpa Simpson says something kind of interesting. He mentions that Homer has no will, and he's like, you know, that Homer would just fold at the first sign of any argument. And uh, uh, Grandpa Simpson's like, "Isn't that right, Homer?" And like uh, Homer's like, "Yes, Dad," with a big smile on his face. Bart, however, uh, is walks out of the plasma center, says, "What a country!" Because of the fact that he has gotten twelve dollars in a cookie, passes out in the gutter, and his dog eats his cookie. But he's seen as a lovable tramp by some homeless people. Yeah, so two uh, very helpful homeless uh, men uh, take him to a uh, like a soup kitchen, uh, uh, like a you know, a, you know, like a homeless shelter, and I. Uh, Channel 6 News is there. Oh, Kent Brockman. He's doing a, a thankful for what you got special. That's yeah, a fluff piece. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, he he starts referring to all the homeless people as like uh, a bunch of different things. And I, I did a little bit of research on this to find, you know, who all these people were. Did you do that as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, then by all means, Sean, because I, I, I think you'll probably know a lot of uh, this stuff more than me. So the terms that he calls them are bums, mm-hmm. deadbeats, yep. losers, mm-hmm. and scum of the earth. And then one of them was like, hey! And he's like, I'm working on something here. Give me a minute. I, so I... Ken Brockman uh, uh, refers to, like, to a few other things as well. Uh, he says he refers to Freddie Freeloader, which is a blues song by Miles Davis. I... Uh, because he says something like, you're not going to find Freddy Freeloader here, or Emmett, uh, or uh, Emmett, or I'm sorry, or Weary Willie. Is that who it was? Yeah, I think Weary Willie. Uh, or no, or maybe even it specifically mentions Emmett Kelly, uh, because Emmett Kelly was a circus performer who created Weary Willie, a clown based on Depression era hobos. Uh, and he also says, you won't find Little Tramp here, which is a character by Charlie Chaplin, uh, who was a good natured and clever vagabond. I. Uh, I love the term vagabond. It's a, it's a, it's a, a nicer term than hobo. I. Uh, it also shows, uh, like it cuts back to the Simpson house, and I, uh, I, uh, I think Homer mentions that uh, Kent Brockman is dating the weather lady, and Grandpa's like, "You don't say." It's just such a weird moment. So Bart gets interviewed by Kent Brockman. Uh huh. And this might be one of my favorite Bart scenes. Because this is a kind of an awkward episode. Sure, sure. Bart improvs an entire backstory for his homeless persona <laughs> on the spot to Ken yeah, Brockman. He does. Now, did you catch what the entire story was? I did not. I, I, I'm not entirely sure exactly what he says. He's like, you know, been on the street for like three years, Kent. Like, you know, all this stuff. And uh, Ken Brockman's like, is there anything that you'd like to say to like the family that like abandoned you or whatever? And Bart says, ha ha, I didn't apologize. What an awesome line from Bart. Because Lisa at this time is about to read like a poem that she wrote. And she's trying to like get her feelings out there and stuff about how she's like under uh, uh, howl of the unappreciated. Uh, And then she gets cut off because Bart's on the TV and uh, Bart says he didn't apologize. And Homer calls the operator. And this might be one of the best lines from the episode. This is the best line from the episode, period. Operator, give me the number for 911. If he had it on speed dial like Flanders does. Oh, Flanders doesn't have a speed dial like we did. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Uh, what's weird is it cuts to the uh, outside of the homeless shelter, and Brockman's face suddenly looks younger, and he brags about how he's going to get a local Emmy, and then drives off. So this is a really depressing scene right here. It really is. Where all the homeless people leave the shelter, and they're like, bye, we'll see you at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Because people only care about helping people on holidays. Yeah, it, it, it's a, a shame. Uh, I, I, I mean, I think nowadays we have more active homeless shelters in bigger cities. At least I, I think we do in Detroit. Uh, I, I can't speak for other cities outside that I'm not as familiar with, of course. But I, I mean, there's still plenty of homeless people. It's a giant, terrible problem. And there's no way we could ever do it justice talking on Noiseland Arcade. Uh, but I... Yeah, I, I, the uh, episode cuts over to the Simpson house. Uh, Lou and Eddie are there, and their voices are mixed up. Yeah, their voices are mixed up. That happens a lot in these first two seasons. Yeah, it really does. Uh, and I, I, oh, uh, Grandpa has to leave because if he's not back by nine, uh, they declare him dead and collect his insurance. What a terrible retirement note. <laughs> Uh, Lou and Eddie are like, you know, is there anything you said to the like your son before like he ran away? And like Marge is like, you know, well, I told him he ruined Thanksgiving. And they're like, oh, oh, <laughs> and it gets like super awkward. So we've got one of the more touching moments of this episode. Mm-hmm. The homeless are leaving the homeless shelter. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Bart realizes he's done something bad. Mm-hmm. He's not homeless. There are people who have life way worse than him. Oh, yeah. And he gives the two guys who befriended him the $12 he got for giving his blood. Would it be weird if I gave you this? No, no, it wouldn't be weird. I wouldn't feel weird taking money from a kid. Nope. And so they take the $12. Bart starts to head home. Uh, and meanwhile, Homer and Marge are talking. And Marge is like, well, we can't blame ourselves. And Homer's like, we can and will. Uh, and uh, Bart gets the door. And he starts to think about how it's going to be when he walks in. And he has another one of his weird uh, early season imagination segments where uh, everything gets all weird and distorted. Like uh, he imagines uh, 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 Homer complaining to Bart that it's his fault he's uh, bald. So so Bart apologizes and he thinks it's all going to be good in this Uh imagination. And then they're like, no, 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 no. You're the cause of all these problems. Yeah. Uh, Grandpa says that Bart, it's Bart's fault he's old. Uh, it's Mag- Maggie says that uh, it's Bart's fault that she can't talk. And then Uncle Sam appears and says, it's your fault America has lost its way. That's a meta reference. That's Yeah, that's weird. Which I'll get into that in a little bit. Just, just a little <laughs> bit, I'll get into that meta reference. So Bart is it's is a little torn. He doesn't know entirely what to do. And so uh he ends up uh climbing up his treehouse and when he does he gets to like the roof. And he's or or rather on his treehouse he's or from his treehouse he sees the roof and sees that he's hit the jackpot of all the lost balls and toys and frisbees and stuff that have landed on the roof. Oh yeah there's a ton of crap up there. Uh now Bart, as he's up there, is is sort of like hears a voice coming from like one of the vents on the roof. I'm not entirely sure how that works. I think that was sort of like just a convenient plot thing, but whatever. I uh, the uh, he hears like Lisa crying, and he shouts to Lisa to like come up to the roof or whatever. And so Bart helps Lisa onto the roof, and I uh, I uh, you know Lisa wants to know why you know he did those things. 
And Bart immediately like, gets defensive, and he's like, I, I just don't care. Like, I, I, you know, I just did him because I could. And it's real, it, it gets kind of awkward, and Lisa says, like, you know, like, like, think about it. Like, you know, like, why would you, like, why would I be upset? Like, you know, it tries to, like, get him to think about it, and Bart realizes that, you know, it, like, you know, Lisa worked hard on it, and it made her cry, and then he kind of feels bad only after the fact. And they make up on the roof, and it's kind of a happy ending. Yeah, I, I do kind of appreciate Homer as, like, you know, listening from the like the bedroom window, or even the bathroom window, I don't remember which, and he says, you know, Marge, we're great parents, which is maybe up for debate, but uh, uh, it cuts to uh, them either late at night or maybe early in the morning eating turkey sandwiches for leftovers. And, and they're saying grace. Mm-hmm. And that's what we end on. Yeah. So I want to bring up that meta line of America's lost its way and it's your fault. Uh-huh. So the Simpsons at the time were considered the edgy cartoon. <laughs> uh-huh. They were risque. They were the thing that, you know, President Bush was even against them, which will come up soon in our news. Mm-hmm. This is an episode that teaches you to love your family. Yep. They end up saying grace at the end of it. Mm-hmm. They are a model family in this scene. Not other shows would end this way, where it's this wholesome. This is a wholesome ending for this show. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, it's it sort of like was a little awkward to get to this point because you know Bart's such a little shit in it. Uh, but I, uh, but yeah, no, you're right. It, it it does end in a very very sort of you know wholesome way. Uh, and and you're right. A lot of shows wouldn't do this, or or they'd be so you know toothless about it that like you know there was no other alternative but to be that wholesome. Yeah, so it's very weird that Simpsons was so risque back in the day when it's not that bad. I'm not at this point for sure. No. Absolutely not. So, Sean, as we sort of end, I, I feel like we may end up sharing the same lasting impact here. I'm thinking it's, I mean, it's the only Thanksgiving episode, right? Yeah. And, it, and it's also a very classic Bart Wrongs Lisa episode, which we'll see time and time again that typically when Bart and Lisa are having problems... It's usually Bart's fault. Almost always. I can't think of many times when it's not Bart's fault. So I think this is very close to a season one episode. I can kind of see that. It feels very season one. It kind of reminds me mm -hmm. of the Telltale Head. Where Bart does something bad just to do something bad. And then he realizes and he feels bad. Yeah, you're you're right. It is very season one. Uh, it, it's interesting that this wasn't earlier in season two because it is so similar to season one. Like you, you know, there's always those hangover episodes that are kind of similar to the the previous season. You know. Yeah, I feel like this is very much a season one episode hidden in season two. Absolutely. So, so would you say that the lasting impact is that it is so like wholesome, or or I would say that it is so wholesome. It is probably the most wholesome ending I can think of for an episode. When I think of wholesome Simpsons episodes, I do go to this one. No, I can Even see that. Even though it's very awkward to get through. Oh, yeah. The, the the fight between Bart and Lisa is so awkward. And it does remind me of those occasional fights I would have with my sister. And it just makes me think, like, oh, why wasn't I a little bit better? Like, I could have not had some of those fights. Uh, yeah. it's it, 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 This episode is a little rough uh, from time to time to get through it because of that awkwardness. But but all in all, uh, it has some really solid lines. Uh, it has some uh, uh, pretty interesting stuff that happens in the episode. And, I mean, you know, 
if you like football, this episode's kind of loaded with it. A little bit. Not as much as some later episodes will be, but... Oh, sure, sure, sure. Uh, but yeah, I think that's uh, about all the time we have for uh, uh, this episode. Uh, make sure to check out our Patreon page if you'd like to support the show. Uh, if you go to patreon.com slash GameZillaMedia, you're going to be able to uh, sign up for a series of perks that uh, not only give you some cool content, but also helps uh, you know support the show. It uh, makes it so that we can keep you know, bringing you better and better content. Uh, but uh, we definitely appreciate uh, you guys uh, listening and uh, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. If you're watching this episode, listening to this episode at Thanksgiving, <laughs> happy Thanksgiving. If you, yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. If you're in a country that has a different Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving, whenever that is. Happy Arbor Day. Arbor Day's trees, Craig. <laughs> happy you could have said Boxing Day. You could have said Boxing Day and been a little different. But no, you had to bring an Arbor Day. <laughs> it's my favorite holiday.